Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined currently by Chris Nee. A little bit later, I'll be joined by Zach Blostein and Dane Draper as they have been on the road covering Battle Miami. But for now, we're, we're staying local here with Chris, who was at FSU's campus at his favorite place, On the Bench, literally. Uh, for the last few days, Chris, how did it feel to be back OTB for Junior Day? Uh, it was long, and the weather was very weird. We had hot, we had cold, we had pouring rain. We got a little bit of everything out of the weekend. Very eclectic. I like it. So FSU has had two junior days thus far. Uh, Brett has been at both of them for us. Chris, you were at this past one. Let's, before we get into, I guess, some of the, the big names that were here this past week, and just like the general view of what you've seen, what you've observed, what you've learned about the caliber of recruit FSU is bringing in as this 2024 board is kind of starting to become solidified from our perspective. Uh, there's a few major takeaways for me. One, there's some key targets that they continue to get on campus repeatedly. We'll touch on some of those. Two, more guys that look like the kind of body types you want to be recruiting. Three, last year we talked a lot about quantity, maybe not quality at this time of year. Who is stepping on? Not to say that they didn't have good players stepping on, but they just had so many kids stepping on. And then there was only a select few that we truly had to care about. I feel like in this time, the quantity is still pretty good, but the quality is definitely better. There's just more. There's more kids that, for those that care about them, have the four and the five and the three stars beside their name, more four and five star types. And there's just more guys that look like the kind of dudes that will make them a better football team. And there's also a variety of positions I feel like they're addressing at a pretty high clip. Is this a fair way to describe it, Chris? Because I'm, I'm, Writing, down, writing this down now and workshopping it and trying to put something on paper. But it feels like a wider pool for FSU that it's pulling from, and that's leading to a more ner- narrow scope of like what it's actually uh, actively recruiting at a pretty high level, like what they're putting investing their time into. Yeah, I mean, we can take a few positions and kind of uh, workshop that. So quarterback, you got Luke Cromanhawk. You're not really in the market for an 24 at least not heavily in the market. So you're almost looking ahead. So like Tramel Jones was here last weekend, the first junior day. He's a 25 kid that they're in on. I'm sure you're going to talk about him maybe a little bit with the guys later because he was at Battle Miami this past weekend. So that's an example of they've kind of already been able to work ahead of class at a position. Running back, they got Cam Davis. I think they'd like to take two. I think a kid like Jordan Lyle who came in for first weekend is probably the next guy up at running back, but they've had a lot of 24 running back step on campus, including some others with offers. And then a position like receiver or defensive back, they've just had a ton of kids step on campus. A lot of high-level kids, kids that have offers. It almost feels like a exploratory surgery right now. They're getting a lot of dudes on campus. They're kind of getting a feel for them. Those kids are getting a feel for FSU. It's This is an intro course to FSU if it's your first time or it's a little bit of reinforcement of things you've learned on past visits, but it's just a nibble. They're still trying to get you back in March for a spring visit to watch a practice. Then they're going to want you back in the summer to work you out at a camp. Then they're going to go for the close. And if we get to the fall, you get here for a game day. And it's kind of that. But a lot of these kids that we're seeing now were at game days this past season. So it's repeat visits for those types. So I just feel like, you know, I, I had a coach here once tell me at the quarterback position that he felt like when he started recruiting a kid as a freshman or sophomore, he was probably going to have to get him on campus at least six to eight times to have a shot at landing them, to like be in the position they need to be at. 
they do a really good job of that. They just keep stacking visits with kids. I don't know how many kids I've written about this weekend where I said, oh, he came for the Florida game. He was also at the season opener. He can't put FSU back in July at the end of the month. He also took a spring visit last year. So that's four visits last year, one this year. We're at five. If they come back in the spring, that's six. If they come back in the summer, that's seven. If they come back for a game, that's eight. They just keep stacking visits. And if you have a kid on your campus that much, you're going to know who the heck he is, the people that are around him, how he's kind of wired. You're going to have a great deal of information. I think that's what this staff wants. I think they want it to be a constant information gathering deal. A, a wise stoner once said, follow the visits. I think there's something yeah. to that. Uh, to, to Chris's point, so Chris is, uh, let this sink in, Chris. You're not only the best person on our website, the network, probably any network out there of updating timelines for recruits. So this past weekend, so you're the best in the world at that. So congratulations. Uh, when when I was helping out put together shells for players to make your guys' jobs a little easier and like start to put just background on different recruits who are on campus, I'm going through the timeline and being like, okay, this guy's visited multiple times. This guy's visited multiple times. And I probably wrote eight or 10 shells. And I would say probably six or seven of those had guys who visited at least three times to your yeah. point. Like, and, and that was just what we've had documented could have been someone slipping between the cracks or, or something else. But like, yes, like there is a, um, I think we're starting to see this, this culmination, cumulate culmination, excuse me, easy for me of this staff being here for a while now and having yes. developments with, and also having success. And yep, I think that's where we're seeing those two roads uh, merge a little bit. So let's get yep. into some of the prospects that they've had on campus this past weekend. Just for me, I was there for a couple hours and I was like, holy crap, like these guys look different than they have before. Uh, Coach AB yeah. texted as well. And just from the pictures from far away, he's like, hey, this looks different. You know who looks different, Chris? Landon Thomas. Yeah, Landon Thomas is a freak. I mean, he's the number one tight end for a reason. Uh, you know, the funny thing is I think he's the second best looking tight end I saw this weekend on FSU's campus. But we'll get to that a bit later when we get to Sunday. Dude, Chris but, Thompson's glow up with the tight ends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock come through, it's going to be a very interesting uh, where we were 12 months ago versus where we are now kind of conversation with that position. But uh, a cool thing about Landon Thomas, yes, former FSU commitment, backed off his commitment, committed to Georgia. Uh, who's going to argue that Georgia isn't doing great things with tight ends right now? Brock Bowers is one of the best in the game. Hell, he might be a Heisman contender next year. Um, so Landon Thomas is there. But the cool thing about Landon and FSU's relationship, they both stayed very consistent with each other, and they've kind of stayed the same. And despite the decommitment and commitment elsewhere, if Landon Thomas doesn't go to Georgia, I believe he goes to FSU. I'm not saying I think he flips because I'm not convinced of that. And Georgia's a great place to go, and he's an in-state kid for the Bulldogs. But FSU has positioned themselves extremely well where if he does, they'll get him. And if he goes in the portal down the road, they'll probably get him. And that that's not the worst thing in today's age of recruiting. And they're not so all in on him that they're forgetting that there are other kids that exist at that position that they can't go get. They've had other tight ends on campus that they liked a lot. Kylan Fox came in on Sunday. He's a 24 tight end. Uh, last weekend, we saw Hubert Kalise come in, and he's a kid that I think FSU values more than most in the market at this point. But probably is going to see a ramp up in the spring. He's a basketball kid transitioning to football. But yeah, Landon Thomas put together really well. Uh, looks the way you're supposed to look in pads. Can play the game at a high level. Georgia doesn't miss much with their evals. Uh, you know, I, I think FSU was way ahead of the game on Landon Thomas. It's the reason they had such an early commitment from him. So I, I think that's just kind of reinforcement of, yeah, he, he's he's that dude. Mike Norvell told Landon Thomas that, quote, it doesn't even matter if I come here or still go to Georgia, they're going to support me. 
I like yeah. that about him. So th- this very much so feels, Chris, like a uh, you're recruiting for now, but you're recruiting potentially for you know if if, it, if a tight end sticks with Georgia, no one's going to fault him. So right? Georgia is probably going to get uh, Dominic Robinson's son, whose name is escaping me at the moment, from Phoenix tight end in this current class. So that's just going to stalk that room a little bit further. So at some point, that room is going to get so crowded that, yeah, I know a dude like Landon Thomas isn't scared of competition, but it's the old eight versus four kind of rule. You know, it's just I think FSU is being very strategic and smart with Landon Thomas. I think it says something that, yes, he got in the car and drove about an hour south to come check out FSU, and he keeps doing that. Let's move down. Uh, Who do I want to talk about next? You know, let's talk about Jarvis Boatwright. He's someone that he's a four-star safety from Clearwater. He put out his top five shortly after the visit, Chris, with FSU, yep. Florida, UCF, Tennessee, South Carolina. And those are all schools he mentioned uh, the other day. Uh, but got a chance to catch up with Jarvis Boatwright, someone that Adam Fuller clearly likes, uh, someone that I think starting to talk with uh, Patrick Sertan a little bit. So uh, someone who maybe is emerging as a priority for FSU based on our conversations with them. They just have so many DBs on the board. But, yeah, Boatwright is a dude that Adam Fuller definitely likes. He's invested a lot of time in the Clearwater area with the young man who was by to see him last week. Kid came back up here, as you said, put him in his top five. You know, I I think they like Boatwright a lot. Isaiah Thomas, who came up this weekend from Clearwater Academy International, is another one. He's kind of a recently emerging kid. I think he's only been U.S. since June or July, if I recall correctly. But he's got a lot of interesting measurables, can really play the game. That's a school that FSU likes recruiting. Lucas Simmons came out of there. They're doing with him, Jason Sandamella, some others. Sandamella was also up this weekend. He's an interior offensive lineman from Mozambique. I just wanted to say Mozambique. Nicely done. Um, so, yeah, you got, you got, you know, we also had what? Shalil Cummings come up here from Stark Bradford. That's the first kid that Mike Norvell took a helicopter to see. He's not a DB. You got Zay Mincy, who came in with LJ McCray. He's kind of a tall, lanky DB. Xavier Lucas from Dillard recently offered DB. So, yeah, just a hell of a lot of DBs on the board. Do I think Boatwright's high on the board? Yeah, I do. Adam Fuller seems to really like him. He's invested a lot of time. That's a pretty long-term relationship. But I am interested to see how that all works out because they already have C.J. Hurd, who was up here this weekend, Jordan Pride, who's coming in next weekend. So they already got a couple in the boat. You know, how much is FSU going to restock the safety position? Because I feel like this year, yes, they got Conrad Hussey, but they ended up a little bit short, probably number-wise, as of right now, of where they would like to be with their safety position. I think this class is one where you see them throw a little bit of numbers at that and potentially from the high school ranks. And they have good options, and they're in a pretty good spot with several of those kids. I mean, you know, Don't we forget about Ricky, her, Rick, but, Ricky Knight as well. Yeah, was there early he, in the, he was a Friday yeah. visitor. Yeah. And Ricky Knight's film is fun as hell. And go listen to the quote or read the quote about him talking about why he likes playing DB and tell me that's not the DNA you want in a dude at that position. Um, He plays for the Florida Fire organization down there in 7-on-7. I've known that organization a long time. I know there's some people at FSU that have known that organization since its early days. They swear by him. I, I think that carries water. But Knight's just a competitive cat who's got really good athleticism. I think he's a guy that's going to trend up greatly. FSU, I believe, was first or second on offering him. Got him on campus very quickly. He very much likes Patrick Sertan. They're going to have a shot. Yeah, they've got a ton of DBs. DB and wide receiver are two spots where they have a whole hell of a lot of names on the board. And I'm very interested to see how this exploratory surgery gets a little more keenly focused when we get to the spring. 
Okay, exploratory surgery is the name of the podcast. So I'll make people click on it, right? I like that. You've mentioned it a couple of times. It works well. Uh, real quick on Jarvis Boatwright, I got a quote from him on him getting to meet and speak with Patrick Sertan. Quote, I loved it. He develops you. He makes you look at plays differently in formations. He said the hire was shocking. Uh, that's a great DB. Being coached by a great DB is great. And that's what I want to be around. Uh, we, we spoiler alert, we'll talk a little bit more about Patrick Sertan's um, traction as a recruiter already and making some inroads uh, later on in the podcast, Chris, because we may be recording this out of order. Uh, but this is a yes, we're asking about Patrick Sertan to recruits, but the response we're getting is pretty similar from guys. CJ, CJ Heard talked about it. Go watch that video. CJ is a master of doing interviews already for his young age. And he talked about just hanging out with him and being kind of at ease with him and wanting not to really leave from hanging out with him. So that's another good example. Another dude you, you hinted at, this guy is maybe was the biggest player on campus from a physical standpoint. That's LJ McRae from Daytona Beach Mainland, a school that's known for producing really good uh, defenders, typically. Uh, Leonard Williams, AJ Westbrook. Uh, there's some more guys from there that I'm, I'm blinking on right now. But uh, typically they, they produce a high level of defender. Uh, and he he steps, he comes around the corner. Uh, most guys were coming from uh, the football facility area. Uh, the McRae's got there a little bit late. They parked further around the IPF. All of a sudden he comes around the corner and he's every bit at like the 6'5 that he's listed at. And I had someone tell me, Chris, like that he was bigger than FSU expected from just like a, a frame and, and bulk standpoint. Uh, so someone who, again, kind of fits that mold that you were talking about earlier, just it looks a little different with this group. He kicked ass and took names at the Seminole Showcase event at the end of last summer. I thought he was arguably the best kid on that field that day. I think LJ McCray is the best player out of Mainland since Leonard Williams. Uh, I don't know if he's quite Leonard good. Leonard, was pretty Leonard might be the best high school player I've ever seen live in, in, in a high school setting. But LJ is really good. The intriguing thing about LJ is in a 3-4, he's a strong side DN. He has that body type. He has that length. He has that build to add to the frame he's explosive enough to kind of stay outside in quotations i'm interested in fsu scheme where he fits i think he might grow into an interior guy and that's not knocking him in any way he's just such a large human he can also play on the edge if they want like a run stopping big d end yeah like what dennis briggs maybe in their vision was last year and he didn't live up to it but what they want him to be i think that's what lj mccray can be I'm a huge fan of him. The staff's a huge fan of him. John Papuchas has done a really good job recruiting him. They went and saw him pretty much right out of the gate here in January to get him back on campus. He's been here a few times. I thought a cool thing about Elgin McCray, his dad's a longtime college football coach, worked at Bethune the last decade or so. He came on a visit with them. He fired off a tweet. I don't know if it was on Saturday or maybe Sunday, just about how they were, uh, how FSU kind of hosted him, how it was. And I just thought it kind of spoke to like, this operations run pretty good. That's a guy who's been in a college game a long time, kind of understands how things are supposed to operate, and he's praising what they're doing here. I thought that was impressive. But I think FSU's in a very, very good spot with LJ McCray. They've done an excellent job of being ahead on his recruitment, getting him here frequently, building a really good bond. I think they shoot him straight, and they need to win a high school defensive line, uh, defensive end type mm -hmm. commitment. And they need to keep it. I mean, that's an important narrative for them to knock off the board because of what's happened in the last two classes with certain guys. I'm not going to waste time naming. But, you know, it's something they do need to do. And LJ is a, an important one for them. They've obviously already got a kid like Keyshawn Mashburn who was in this weekend, defensive tackle from down the road. But LJ McCray is a big-time in-state defensive lineman 
who can help you a lot. Another one I would mention, I don't know if you're going to bring him up, Dylan Stevenson. He's a South Florida kid. They love him as well. They had him at camp this past summer. I remember watching a – and some people probably don't want me mentioning this at this point, but whatever. We're pretty far removed. I think I'm allowed to. He came in kind of in between sessions. So he sort of got a one-on-one with JP working out, and Odell got involved in it. And the dad was there. I believe his mom was there too, if I recall correctly. But dad's super engaged. Like, he's always into it. Dad was with him on Saturday. I just find it impressive. Dylan's kind of wired a lot like his dad, I feel like. Um, FSU loved him at that camp. Watching them work with him, you can tell when someone's like, you're just putting him through the ringer to see what he's like. And then you can tell like, oh, I like working with this kid. Let's see if he can do this. And that's what that turned into in the summer. And FSU loved him. He's an excellent player. He's from Miami, Columbus, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it will be a battle. That South Florida school down there, you know, they got a lot of inroads to Columbus. I believe that is where Mario played back in the day. So that kind of helps them. I'm sure there'll be plenty of other national suitors. I think BM is a school that's been involved. But Dylan Stevenson's a kid. That would be a big statement victory for FSU. And I, I think the thing about Stevenson McCray that's so important is at those positions, I think it drops off pretty mightily after them in the state. It's kind of like John Daniels, who was in last weekend for the offensive line. It's not a good year in Florida for offensive linemen. I'll, I'll bring up an offensive lineman they offered this weekend to kind of make this point further. It's important for them to hit on those guys because the drop-off in-state for kids after that is pretty drastic. And if you don't get an in-state kid, then you're going in Georgia and you're battling you know, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, those types, Clemson. You're going in Alabama. You're obviously battling in-state. You're going to Mississippi. Well, it's Mississippi. you got to fight certain battles there. So it's good if they can win these in-state ones. On the offensive line, though, uh, John Daniels, very highly regarded guy, guy for FSU, probably the best offensive tackle in the state that FSU has a shot at who they want. There's just not a lot of them that I think they love. They offered Ty Hilton. He's from Oviedo this weekend. Um, I think that's sort of an offer of we like him. We want to see how he develops. We're getting in on the ground floor. If it turns into something more then yes, we were there, but I think it speaks more to there's just a lack of good options in the state. And that's not to demean or that young man. Like I think he's capable. He's got seven or so D one offers for a reason. But from an FSU recruiting perspective, they don't love 24 offensive line. They especially don't love offensive tackles in the state. You know, I know they like Sandamella, but he's a 6'3", 280-pound kid, so he's an interior guy. Probably could be a center, but let's be honest, there's a lot of 6'3", 280-pound guys out there. Not to, again, demean that young man either. It's just sort of what the O-line dynamic is. So it's interesting as we're weaving into this year, you see there's – Real definition at certain positions, quarterback, running back, tons of options at others like wide receiver, DB, somewhat limited to a degree options on places like O-line and D-line where you've got to hit. So that's sort of what we're learning as we're going through this process. And then there's other positions like linebacker where I couldn't really tell you to board right now. I, I don't think we have a clear cut picture at this point after a couple of weeks of who guys they really, really want at linebacker are. So that that's uh, again i'm going to do it for title purposes exploratory surgery we're learning a lot of things about one another recruit and school and also how those boards are going to be constructed and how fsu is going to go about recruiting them. people are kind of have been freaking out about not well some have freaking been. out nah never they're looking at other schools like south carolina getting commitments and uh, that's our firm system i made that joke later on in the podcast damn it chris <laughs> But this is very much so a uh, feels like a vetting process. Exploratory. I don't. I don't think FSU is bringing kids on campus right now and pushing for commitments. 
Right. This Let is- me just say that plain and simple. I don't think they're in a rush to get kids committed right now. I think they're in a rush to figure out who they probably could get to commit. Like, a okay, Hubert Calise, for example. I'm pretty sure if David Johnson and Chris Thompson call Hubert right now and say, hey, man, we want you to commit this moment right now, I think he would. But I don't think they're going to do that right now. I think they're going to give it a little time, allow it to play out some, get some other tight ends on campus, see exactly how many are we taking. Is this the guy we want? If we get this guy, what other type do we want? Those are the kind of things they're figuring out here. We talked about with receiver and DB. They've got options. A kid like Tawaski Abrams, he likes FSU a lot. He came up here on Friday, spent portion of Friday and Saturday visiting FSU. He's from Fort Myers Dunbar. And I think if they really wanted to push right now, they probably could push for a close. But one, he wants to see some other schools. And two, he's a slot receiver. They've got a lot of those kind of options. I don't think you just rush to take to take. And I don't think that's what FSU wants to do. And FSU also wholeheartedly believes they're going to be really good at playing football this year. And to their credit, they believed that last year, and they went and they did it. They won 10 games, and they have a hell of a lot of momentum for that. I think they believe they can position themselves well in these months into the spring and definitely into the summer to close on kids in the summer, but also be in a good position for those kids that are going to wait till the fall and get who they want to get. I, I don't think there's any panic in the room. I honestly think there's a lot of patience in the room. And, you know, yeah, others are going to take and load up early and some kids are going to come off the board and some kids are going to get crystal balled to Miami at receiver. FSU is still going to get theirs. I don't think there should be panic. I'm also probably a little bit uh, more of a believer that they're actually not as bad recruiting high school as some people want to make it out to be. I think they've just been so good recruiting the portal that they haven't overdone high school. I think this class they would prefer to lean a little bit more in high school and a little less on portal, but there's going to be a balance. They've been too good at the portal to just walk from it. We've been around coaching staffs, different coaching staffs, different variations and versions of coaching staffs for decades plus now. Uh, You, Chris, have two decades now. This is a cool, like, confident group of coaches at this moment. You can just see the way they walk, the way they carry themselves. They are recruiting. They are playing with house money right now. And yeah. they are recruiting at a level where they don't feel like they need to to press at this very moment. Um, yeah, and, and, and this podcast has been pretty transparent it. about like when we think that they are slacking on something, we'll let you know too. This isn't us hyping them up. Yeah, I, is- I feel like to to position layout again, O-line, they got to find people just because I don't think they love the 24 class. We, we've hit on that point for months on end now. That's been true since at least the summer. Mm-hmm. I had somebody utter those exact words to me in the summer. There are guys they like. There's just not a whole hell of a lot of them, um, especially at the tackle position. Which, which is he, why they they went, Chris. I think they took two for, uh, two prep players in this past cycle, plus the three transfers. Uh, yeah. with, with some of them have multiple years of eligibility. I think the positive for FSU is while they have a certain amount of guys who will end up getting pushed out of program because of you know reaching the end of their eligibility, they've restocked that position well enough where if they do develop guys, they have options. They're not in a pickle where it's going to fall off a cliff after the coming season. And linebacker is the other one. I mean, I, I spoke a little bit about it a little earlier. I just I, – I could not right now tell you who I think FSU's top linebacker targets are for the yeah. 24 cycle. I just don't know. And uh, spoiler alert, uh, Zach will talk about that as well a little bit later on. Uh, I'll make a Nolcast reference because that's something that Bud has talked about before. That we should get Bud on to talk about, like the linebacker recruiting – moves at a different pace under Randy Shannon than does with other coaches. And that's just, that is what it is at that position group. I, I'm not even here to say good, bad. It's just, it's no. different. 
they had one on campus on Friday, so we don't have the, oh, they aren't getting any on campus. They had Edwin Spillman on campus on Friday. He looks 100% like the kind of linebacker you want in your program. The issue is he's probably a Tennessee lean. He's from Tennessee, and, well, it is what it is. But, I mean, they did get him on campus, so let's not act like they're not getting anybody through the door. It's just not at the abundance that we're seeing at some other positions. In some of the position groups, I think this is worth taking a step back and, and big picture conversation because you alluded to the transfer portal and what FSU does uh, in the portal. And I'm writing about that as well, workshopping some ideas there too, Chris. But like there are some position groups that FSU will always try to get prep players for. Uh, defensive end will be one. And they've struggled with that documented at, at times. And they've and done they really – and they've done a great job supplementing it in the portal, but they know that finding a Jermaine Johnson and Jared verse, like hitting on those guys back to back is not going to be common. Um, offensive tackle will be when they got Lucas Simmons this year. Like you will take a quote unquote franchise uh, offensive tackle type every single time you can in the high school ranks quarterback. You'll probably always see them take a single quarterback in every single class. Cornerback will be a position. They will always emphasize if they're able to get a corner who's high end level. They took a bunch this year. Of, of project guys to see how they hit. There'll be some position groups that they flood scholarships on, but the way they've seen the transfer portal materialize and the way the rules are currently comprised, and that, that might change, there will be some position groups that I think they're okay not, quote-unquote, reaching on or, or not going after a body just to get a body. Interior offensive line being one. I think linebacker is another. Safety, we've seen them actually pass on some, some high-caliber safety players in the transfer portal as they wait for the right fit. Uh, so there will be tight end is another thing. I think they could always get a good tight end in the transfer portal at this point. This past year, they got two good ones. Uh, it'll be a lot like how NFL teams value certain position groups, right? Uh, you're always seeing emphasis on on those premium positions. Quarterback. Some of it's through the draft, high school recruiting. Some yep. of it's through the free agency. Free, free agency. Yep. And, and I think that's kind of how this staff is looking at it at this point. So that's just for context with a position group like linebacker, you mentioned the offensive line class of 2024, Chris. I think those are going to be um, trends to kind of follow along with right now. 25 O-line class, apparently really, really good. Pretty good, especially down in the Southeast. So, like, FSU's over-recruited O-line to a degree the last two cycles. I think they'll probably do it again next year. This might be a little bit of a buffer of just get the right guys while not just using scholarships. One or two more prospects to talk about, and then we'll we'll talk to the South Florida boys down in down in the I guess in the nine five four, but they're in the three hundred five this past weekend. But Zach's family's in the nine five four. I digress. Let's talk real quick about Shalil Cummings from Stark Bradford. You mentioned him earlier, Chris. Uh, Mike Marvell took a helicopter to go see him earlier in the week, and then uh, Shalil returned the favor not not via helicopter, but did drive make the drive uh, west to check out. FSU. Uh, he's a three-star prospect. I watched his film today. He's a lot of fun. Um, very, very smooth, natural, instinctive safety. Moves well. Big fan of his game. Probably underrated right now. Yeah, he's a very good athlete. And he plays on both sides of the ball. And he's a tough kid. Um, yeah, uh, FSU's done a really good job of getting in really good with a kid right in UF's backyard. And I don't think UF's done a particularly good job of building a great bond there. So it's kind of impressive to me. I think Norvell won over a lot of people at Stark Bradford with that being stop number one in the way they went about it. And just, you know, Norvell walks into a school. He does a fairly good job of kind of making sure like, yeah, I'm here to see a certain somebody, but I'm also here to learn about your kids and learn about your program. And I think that made an impression. Shalil comes over here, brings a couple buddies. He's been here a couple times now. He He's a kid that, 
I think they like a hell of a lot. And I think it's a mix of athleticism and just general toughness. And yeah, his film is a fun one. There's a lot of dudes that are recruiting who, when I put on the film, I'm like, yeah, I really enjoy this. They're fun. Yeah. There, there's yeah. there. It's a consistent theme at this point. Guys who have like three or four tools to be excited about. Um, Stark Bradford. What, what, let's see. Stark's about. That's a speed trap, man. Two hours from Tallahassee. Hour and a half. Uh, I don't know. I drive way too fast, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's ballpark of that. We used to in high school. Uh, Kevin Pettis, who's now in Tallahassee, he would have us go. Uh, I was in Orlando. We would go up to Waldo, Florida, where the National Guard is, and it, it's a little bit outside of Stark Bradford. Is that um, Camp Blanding? Camp Blanding, yeah. And we would go, and we would we would camp there uh, during the summertime. Um, and and every single year, the folklore of like what what was around that area would get worse and worse. So initially it was like spiders that would, that could kill, you know, bite you and, and hurt you. And then later it became snakes. And then they were talking about seeing alligators in the water and then bears. And I just think they just wanted us to stay in the, in the barracks and not be wandering out was the main thing. But anyways, that was my first uh, taste of Stark, Stark, Stark Florida. Uh, have driven through it many a time now to get to St. Augustine. Yeah. Don't speed through Stark. Uh, there's a state prison. They will throw you in if you're uh, misbehaving. Um, last, uh, okay. So last, last, last names to talk about Chris or just some of the committee guys, you mentioned CJ Hurd, you mentioned uh, Kishan Mashburn, uh, Luke Roman Hogan and Cam Davis were there and, and Luke, uh, and Camden Fryer, Camden Fryer as well. So a few tidbits there, uh, Luke and Camden Fryer will be doing some seven on seven together. I thought that was yep. cool to hear. What team are they on? Do you know what, what? I think it's team dimes. Um, or at least I know that's what the Savannah contingent was called that Luke came with. So I presume it's one in the same. Okay. So that'll be good for those two to start getting some chemistry together, but let's just like talk about Cam Davis real quick. I did not watch his junior highlights yet. And so I got the chance today to, and prepping for this show to go ahead and, and look at them. Uh, Cause I'd seen him when he was a sophomore, obviously, and, and knew what, what they thought he was going to be. I didn't get to see him in person on Saturday. Holy crap. Like that is what it's supposed to look like. And then you watch the highlights and for him to be every bit of the 5'10", 200 pounds that he's listed out, he's probably closer to 210. He's just built like a brick house. He's, he's gigantic. And it saw it off though, too. You'd expect, okay, that to be a physical runner, maybe with really good straight line speed. Like, no, nah, man, he's got really good wiggle and agility as well. I understand totally why he's a five-star recruit. Uh, FSU needs to hold on to him because he could be a really special player in Mike Norvell's offense. Yeah, and David Johnson and some others have done a really good job there. They've worked very hard at it. And they understand that Georgia's coming and probably some others. And it's not like those schools are going to stop coming. So they've worked very hard to make sure that's solid. One thing I thought was cool this weekend that it did with both Cam Davis and Camden Fryer, who are both guys who like playing a game of baseball quite a bit, is they did photo shoots that incorporated baseball into it. And I thought it was really, really cool. I think it was a nice touch. I think both guys really enjoyed it. Um, Camden Fryer basically got out of his car and he was there with uh, both Todd and Matt Fryer were there as well as their kids. So you had Camden, Kate and Coy, who are all prospects coming up. Camden's the oldest of the bunch. They all got there and Camden immediately went over to Hauser and did the baseball photo shoot, I believe. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool little touch that they did with him and Cam. Cam, the most impressive thing to me about Cam, and he's a freak of an athlete, a great football player and an exceptional team player. He's mature as hell and he is fun to talk to. He's bright. He processes things really well. I, I just, I think he's a complete package of the kind of guy that can be really, really good. Cam Akers is a very lazy, simple comparison, but
but he does remind me of Cam in a lot of ways. Physically, a, he, he but also the, like the way he processes, the way he talks about things, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of. They've got a lot of that in common. FSU's twenty twenty four recruiting cycles can be a lot of fun to monitor. Yeah, I was, I was I was having a hard time getting into it after the the frenzy that was the portal. Uh, this was kind of a come you know, a bit of a come down. Uh, but now after kind of seeing some of the guys they currently have in the boat and, and the caliber of recruit they are starting to attract, this will be a fun cycle to kind of monitor, Chris, I think, the quote-unquote level up. Like, can you yeah, level up? And that's there's a handful of dudes we didn't even bring up. Omar White, excellent D-tackle from South Georgia, committed to Colorado. We coming. Um, no, I love him. Keeps... We, Zach and I saw him in person two years ago. Yeah, and he's about 30 – 35 pounds lighter now and a little quicker on his feet. He's still yeah. a massive human. Yeah, he's fun. He did MVP, I think it was last February when I went. I'm hoping he might do it this year when I go. He's fun to watch. Like, he's a dominant point of attack, big nose tackle kind of guy. And FSU likes him a lot. He got there. They immediately put him on the golf cart. He went over met with Norvell. He opted not to talk, so we didn't get a follow-up with him. We'll work on it. But he's a guy that's really, really good. A uh, kid that they came in yesterday, Elias Williams from Charlton County over there. I think it's folks in Waycross, Georgia area. Mm-hmm. He uh, he might be the best tight end in the country in 2025. I mean, as good as Landon Thomas looks physically, Elias is a year younger, and he looks unbelievable. He's 6'6", 6'7", about 230, 235. He's got a little bit of toughness because he plays both ways, plays some DN. Uh, some people think he could be a really, really good edge player, but I think FSU likes him as a tight end. He spent a lot of time with Chris Thompson, John Papuchas, who recruits the area, and obviously defensive ends coach, uh, was involved in the recruitment as well. And he's a kid that kind of got a lot of one-on-one because it was just him and Kylan Fox, 2024 tight end athlete from Grayson up there in Loganville that came in on Sunday. Um, Kylan Fox, I think they like him a lot, very athletic kid. Question with him and his high school film doesn't really clarify it a great deal. How good of a blocker can he be? He's a little bit more long, real thin. Uh, it's just a question. But this day and age, you have more guys like Kyle Pitts who are more almost like flex receivers playing tight end. I think Fox kind of fits into that mold to a degree. But, no, I mean, it, it's a good weekend. Last weekend was a good weekend, a little bit more concentrated on week one. I think next week's going to be a little bit bigger, kind of like this one was, where it's more like 50, 60 kids. And uh, they're getting them in. They're getting them through the door. There's not a whole lot of spots where I'm like, man, what are they doing? Or – why am I wasting my time with these kids? There's options and there's good options and there's dudes I know they like and there's tears to it. You know, for every Dylan Stevenson and LJ McCray and uh, Jordan Lyle, who I know is a dude they would take right now. There are guys I know they're evaluating that they like that are getting through the door too. Exploratory surgery. Yes. All right. A little housekeeping. Then we'll get to the, uh, the South Florida boys. Uh, FSU has started tour duty about a week and change into that at this point. At Knowles 24-7, we're starting to do interviews with newcomers, uh, arrivals for the spring semester. So we had some last week, anticipate having about another half dozen so or more this week. We don't have the schedule quite yet. Uh, Actually, we do. We do? Yeah, so tomorrow we'll get Gilbert Edmond, All Day Dre, Kyle Morlock, and DeMarco Ward. Thursday, we'll get Braden Fisk, Keandre Jones, Quindarius Granddaddy Jones, and Jaden Jones. I feel like if your name is Jones, you had to go on Thursday. I feel like that was a requirement. The Jones three of the four. Oh well, look at this, Chris. I've got a doctor's appointment at eleven o'clock on Tuesday. How convenient timing! <laughs> Jesus. Um, 
The last thing that we will get to is spring football start date. It still hasn't been publicly announced yet. Some recruits were saying this weekend that they will be in Tallahassee on March 11th on yeah. watch practices. But as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I think that's the start of spring break for FSU. So like they may practice that one day and then transition into a week off. Uh, but sometime in early March, I think is the the time we're looking at at this point. I was trying to remember, did they do three last year before they broke first? It was break? like two or three. It was like, a, it was less than a week before. So the, the, the 11th may be like their third or it could even potentially be like their first padded one mm-hmm. after some acclimation. So I don't know exactly. Um, but yeah, it'll, we've had the 11th start, mentioned to us by multiple guys. It'll start before March 11th. Then we'll put yeah. it that way. We know that. And it's being shrouded in secrecy. Other than that. All right, Chris, thank you for joining me here. Let's get Zach and Dane Houdini on the pod next. All right, so let's bring in the traveling men, Zach Blostein and Dane Duncan Draper. Gentlemen, good morning. Uh, any Falk in the Road tidbits for us before we start talking about Battle Miami? Um, nothing too crazy. I mean, Dane, you know, we it was a long two days over here. It was a two-day <laughs> tournament at Battle Miami, and Dane was uh, – Dane was struggling a little bit uh, towards the end of it. Um, kind of just was, I don't even know how to explain it. He's in his own like fugue state. Uh, breaking bad. Um, but uh, Dane was awesome. Um, pretty fun stuff. And yeah, let's get into it. Well, real quick, Dane, you're going to stay with, with the Blosteins. Uh, how was that? How did everyone treat you there? Oh, very nice. It's a very nice family. That's good. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. All right. So you guys were at Battle Miami this weekend. Uh, for the people at home that aren't aware of what Battle Miami is, Zach, just a, a quick explainer of what, what the event is and why it was such a big deal for you guys to go down there. So essentially it's the first big seven-on-seven tournament of the year, uh, of the circuit, I should say. Um, the circuit runs from basically now until summer, and um, this one is always loaded. It's been a thing for the last – this is the fourth edition of it, um, and every year – I look at this event and I'm always jealous of, you know, all the interviews that all the other reporters on our site are getting from this event. So definitely wanted to be here this year. Um, and it was well worth it. I mean, we talked to what, like 30, 40 guys yeah. probably on the weekend. Whoever we wanted. Yeah. Um, just tons of teams from all across the country, California, Texas, Maryland, Philadelphia, and obviously all the the talent in the state of Florida uh, was here. So just a lot of talent um, all in one place. And it was a great place for, for someone like us that for people like us that are trying to, uh, you know, kind of see where, where FSU is at with a bunch of their top targets that were in attendance. Who were, well, let me, let me phrase it this way for, for both of you, who was like the singular most impressive player that you saw from the weekend? Like who's the one that you're going to be talking about on the car ride back home today when you're going to be thinking about the next few days of like, Oh, this guy's legitimately maybe one of the best in this class. For me, um, this might not even be an FSU kind of recruit, but Jeremiah Smith is a receiver at Chaminade um, who's com- committed to Ohio State, right? Um, Ohio State recruits the best of the best uh, receivers every year with Brian Hartline over there. But, man, Jeremiah Smith, I told Dane, I think, when we were watching him, like, that dude's going to be, like, the best college football receiver in two to three years. Like, he – why. He, he looks physically built like a guy that can contribute day one. He moves extremely well. And it's just the, the, the physical transformation from when I saw him two years ago over at Pace High School. Guy Lemon years was a coach there um, who's now on FSU staff. Um, 
And Jeremiah looked really thin back then, you know, a little bit shorter. Now he's like six, two and a half, you know, fully uh, built into his frame. He could probably even put a, a little bit more weight on, but man, does he move well, um, just su super smooth. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's other guys that stood out, but to me, like that guy is like, if I had to point to one guy that's, that's going to dominate at the next level, it's, it would be him. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I think a guy that impressed me similar to Zach, um, just looking at him thinking like, wow, that guy's definitely a dude. And that's someone like if you're FSU, I think you definitely won would be Chance Robinson. He's playing with uh, South Florida Express with Jeremiah Smith, but he's another guy who's like probably 6'2", and he's very much filled out. He's kind of like rocked up, you know? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and uh, but he has crazy burst and acceleration. Um he just kind of looks like a complete receiver already, and he could contribute early too. But he, that guy's a dude. Yeah, he's a he's a St. Thomas Aquinas product and a guy that FSU absolutely values. He's rocked up. That's cool. That's good. That's a good trait to have. I was going to point to Dane to go, but I forget you guys are in the same screen, so I'm gonna have to get used to that. It's usually my behind the scenes, point, like one direction of the screen. Uh, yeah, that doesn't work on this. I can't figure out which one's which. Um, all right, so let's talk about some players that you got to speak with. I think we'll just kind of go back and forth with like maybe five to 10 different players because you talked to, like you said, <laughs> three, four dozen. Uh, so, so we'll try to streamline this and get to the most important ones. And there'll be a lot of coverage streaming into Knowles 24 seven throughout the week of this more in depth, more extensive. So this will be like the, the quintessential version of the weekend for you guys. Uh, Zach, let's start off with, um, well, I want to talk about Charles Lester first. I think he's one that the fans are interested in hearing about. I know Dane put some videos up on him on his grainy uh, iPhone 8. Uh, video. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I, I, we'll get we'll get you taken care of, Dane. We'll get a GoFundMe going or something like that. Uh, I have an iPhone 8, too. They can All the haters can shut up. But let's talk about Charles Lester uh, and, I guess, what stood out with watching him play this weekend and then to interview with him and uh, what he was able to say about FSU. Dan, I'll let you lead the way. I'm just like, I guess, how he looked to you. Yeah, I watched him a lot. Um, he definitely – he has that, like, prototypical build, I think, of what what you want in a, in a perfect corner. It's kind of like um, like how Sauce Gardner was coming out of uh, – coming into the draft, how he is a really tall, long, physical corner who can flip his hips super well, is super fluid, has great deep speed. All the all the traits you want, and I think Lester kind of kind of has that too naturally, and that's why he's ranked so high. And he looks he looked he looked pretty dominant when I watched him. Um, he was in press coverage a lot. Uh, he one of the videos, one of the really grandy videos is um, like the second one or something in there is him pressed on a guy in before either of them take any steps at all. He puts his whole palm on the guy's chest right at the snap of the ball. And I don't think that's super normal. Um, he just – he looks really dominant, definitely really quick-footed, um, great deep speed. I think he's – I mean, I think he's really fast. Like, yeah, I, physically he's fantastic, and that really stood out. Yeah. I mean, he can put on some weight. He can, you know, bulk up some, right? He's still pretty um, slender, I guess you could say. But he uh, – he's – he, the thing that stood out to me the most this weekend is that he has legit speed, right? Like he, he can get across the field like it's nothing. Um, his, you know, he can recover on routes that, that maybe he loses 
the release. Like he's just ultra impressive in that aspect. He had a really awesome one-handed interception um, uh, towards the end zone where he was in perfect coverage, turned around, intercepted with one hand, and then pretty much got hit by his own teammate and still held onto the ball. So uh, really impressive stuff for him. Moving into kind of the interview and, and what he had to say, I mean, we had talked to Charles Lester literally last weekend when he was on campus at FSU. So not much new in his recruitment, but um, he did say that he's now uh, starting to talk with Pat Sertan, who was not officially at FSU last weekend, obviously with the with the Dolphins still in the playoffs then. But um, he said that, uh, you know, he visited FSU and UF last weekend. He said both teams sit comfortably in his top five. But if any team is above the other, it's FSU. Ooh. Yeah, so he's visiting Clemson next weekend. Um, and like I said, he's starting to build a relationship with Pat Sertan, which is obviously going to be huge in this recruitment moving forward. Zach, I think, I can't remember. It was like two weeks ago at this point. You had mentioned in passing, we were just chatting, and you said you felt like he was, I don't think this was on record, uh, so we'll talk about it now. Uh, you felt like that Charles Lester is kind of like the hiking Williams for FSU, this 2024 class. I guess, what do you mean by that? Just that like, He's a guy that has been interested in FSU um, even before they, you know, they had this awesome 2022 season where you, you started to see the the team, the results kind of move stock up. But I think uh, I think Lester is a obviously he's a, like a five star type of player, um, top 32, whatever in the in both rankings, and um, he's a guy that FSU has a realistic shot of landing right. Um, it's a little bit different than Hakeem, obviously, because, you know, the Hakeem thing was was kind of a, you know, they worked all cycle. And then uh, within the last couple of months, they kind of searched to lead. I think FSU probably leads for Charles Lester right now, but he is really important. Um, I think FSU really is putting a priority on cornerbacks in the 2024 class, right? They added a bunch of safeties um, last cycle. Uh, I mean, they're going to start some guys at corner. I think like with like a guy like KJ Kirkland in 2022, but I think uh, I think most of those guys will probably eventually go to safety um, if I had to guess. And I think that the FSU staff, Pastor Tan, they're going to put a, a, an emphasis on getting some true cornerbacks in this class. And I think that's exactly what Charles Lester is. And he's probably the best attainable quarterback for FSU in the 2024 class. So very important. Um, Dane's getting hyped over here, but yeah, I think I think uh, he has that same level of importance um, as a Hakeem, and he's a guy that you you know you can point to and be like, hey, he's joining us, he's believing in us, and he uh, is the proof of concept of why other guys of his caliber should join this class. Who do we want to get into next? Who's the next prospect up? Um, I mean, we can move into to a few others. Uh, we talked to both the St. Thomas Aquinas receivers in attendance. Dane, you know, mentioned one earlier in Chance Robinson. Um, he's a guy that's getting targeted by a bunch of schools, uh, especially in the SEC. Alabama just offered this past week, and he's already set up a visit um, for their A-Day, which is their spring game. Uh, I think it's in April. And then um, he he said he didn't really have any other visits set right now. Uh, he speaks with Ron Dugans a good amount at FSU. Um, and he's also family friends with new DB coach Pat Sertan and was actually on FaceTime with him uh, since he got hired. Uh, Ryan Bartow is also part of that uh, FaceTime, the director of high school relations at FSU. Um, hey, Zach, he, real quick, this is the second time you mentioned Pat Sertan. Let, let's 
get into that real quick. We've heard yeah. some really encouraging things about him as a recruiter. Um, maybe let's just dive into that real quick, and then we'll get back into to the recruit. Just about like the impact of the hire. Or? He, he seems to be working really hard on the recruiting trail initially, and to have a good amount of connections already, which I think is that's what you hired him for, right? Is someone who you thought would have a, a good foothold in South Florida, and it, it seems like that's already something that's materializing to at least be like. He's legitimately recruiting people who matter. Yeah, uh, he's definitely going to help FSU in that aspect. You know, we'll see how much he helps. I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what kind of recruiter is he, right? Like uh, he hasn't recruited he hasn't recruited at this level. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of identity he has for himself as a recruiter. Uh, that's something that I'll be you know kind of taking uh, or keeping an eye on. Um, but you know, I asked. Uh, I was actually texting with FSU defensive back commit uh, CJ Hurd yesterday. I was kind of asking just what he thought about the Sertan hire after spending some time with him uh, on the Saturday Junior Day, which we'll get or which we might have already got into or we'll get into. But yeah, he said. So I asked about him. He said, "Yeah, he's going to bring in some guys. I love this pickup. Just watch us work." So um, that's after Hurd spent multiple hours watching an NFL football game with Sertan at the Junior Day. Um, obviously, uh, among other things, but uh, it, it seems like he he's a full believer, and and you know that's that's it's an important thing, right? Because CJ Hurd was was recruited to FSU and, and committed to Marcus Woodson, um, among other coaches, obviously, and he's a huge FSU fan in general. But um, that Woodson leaving definitely had an impact on Hurd's recruitment. But I think uh, everything is squared away there, and and it seems like. You know, all's looking well um, for CJ Hurd, and, and he's helping FSU recruit a bunch of other guys to to join this class. So, yeah, definitely think uh, the Sertan hire looks good on paper right now. I guess we'll see what what unfolds and what kind of impact he has over the next few months. All right, sorry about that. Can continue. I thought it was just worth to to pull over yeah. real quick and talk about about that. <sighs> Thanks for making me lose my train of thought. Well, yeah. So we talked on, touched on Chance Robinson. I think FSU has a chance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they certainly have a chance, but I think, oh, uh, God, stop it. Yeah, I think, stop it. I think, uh, Chance Robinson is likely one of their top receiver targets. Um, but he's going to be prioritized by pretty much everyone in the country, um, including Alabama now. So it'll be a tough one. I think one that FSU has a better shot at is a guy at his, the same school, uh, six foot two or six foot three, 170 pound James Madison, the second. Also, 2024 wideout at St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, he, the James uh, Madison, I believe so. Right? Not not the James Madison. Um, a lot of schools continue to stand out for Madison, especially um, with the recent offer from Alabama, like his like his friend Chance. But FSU is one of his top schools, um, and they communicate with him about as much as anyone. He says he speaks often with Mike Norvell and Ron Dugans. He said he's not taking any visits in January, which, you know, it's just he's just talking about this upcoming weekend. But he said he'll take a good amount of them in the spring and then he plans to make a commitment in the summer. Uh, I checked on this a little bit uh, talking to sources. Uh, I know FSU is working on getting James Madison on campus. I believe that would probably be in early March. Um, as that's the soonest he would be here. But I think, uh, yeah, he's he's a guy that's pretty attainable i think right now for fsu um, more attainable than than chance but uh definitely you know not an easy get by any means i mean he's a really talented prospect in his own right um but yeah he's a, he's a guy that fsu is prioritizing and 
um, definitely is working to get on campus uh, uh, as soon as possible. All right, now whom, who do we want to get into? Let's move into a guy that created some discussion on the for 7 message board, um, Jojo Trader. Uh, he... Why's that, why that funny, Dave? That just because the way Zach premises that. Yeah. Well, basically, uh, Jojo Trader was at the tournament also playing for SFE. That was a pretty loaded um, wide receiver core with Chance Robinson, James Madison, and Jojo Trader, and Jeremiah Smith. Um, but, yeah, Jojo Trader got a crystal ball to Miami over the weekend uh, by 24-7 Sports' is Steve Wolfong. Um, Wolfong said that he had heard that Miami was – uh, in a great spot. Uh, at, you know, when I talked to Jojo, it seemed that same way. Uh, when I talked to him a couple weeks ago after FSU's bowl game, uh, I think it was like the week after he said that FSU and Ohio state made up his top two of his listed top five that he already had, um, announced, but now he says that Miami's moved into that. Um, and I think Miami's probably either one or two and then Ohio state's, uh, in there along with Florida state, that's the top three. Um, I think that FSU has a shot here for sure. Um, and I think the thing with, with Jojo that he even admitted to me is that he's like, yeah, my top list is going to shake up a bunch. Like he's like, yeah, it's going to change it a ton. So for me, like, that's why I, I, you know, I'm not making any like crystal balls. I mean, I don't, I don't like putting in crystal balls in general, but, um, I think he's a guy that could see his recruitment shift a ton, um, over the, the course of the next eight to nine months until he signs. So uh, I guess we'll, you know, we'll see where, where that one goes, but um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not overly worried, but I do think that Miami maybe made an impact. He was over there, I believe on a visit this weekend, like pretty much everyone at that tournament because Miami took advantage of, you know, everyone being down in South Florida uh, for the tournament to get ever get all those kids off campus. So um, yeah, Jojo Trader got a crystal ball there. I don't, I don't think the recruitment's over, uh, but FSU needs to try and get him on campus as soon as possible for sure. Um, oh, I just remembered after you talking about Miami, I had a dream last night that I went to the beach for my birthday and we went and took a cruise out to some like weird straight, like peninsula Island deal. And we watched an FSU Miami football game and Jordan Travis couldn't throw the ball anymore. And, and, and Mario won, and like everything was changing. Oh, gosh, Dude, you are a Florida State fan, I guess so. It's awful. And I ate fried shrimp. Dane, who do you want to talk about? Um, uh, Mazeo Bennett, I guess. Um, good same with conviction. Yeah, same yeah, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> like if I have to talk about Mazeo, whatever. Um, he's a guy I think kind of stands out physically, and uh. He's a highly rated kid. He's from South Carolina, so not necessarily a guy you'd expect um, would be at Florida State, out of high school at least. Um, but uh, but he he kind of stood out. He had a few big plays. He is another guy who's built pretty well. He's on the shorter, and he's listed 5'11". He's probably more like 5'10". Um, but I think he's filled out really well. He is a bit of a slot, I guess you could say. Um, but he says Florida State is in communication with him about as often as, as anyone else. Uh, he's been crystal balled to South Carolina, and he is a recent Tennessee decommitment. But, um, but I think FSU is really, really in that. Tony Tokars is, is his area recruiter, and they talk really often. Um, 
Ryan Bartow, the director of high school relations, also talks with him really often. So he's a guy to look out for, and he's going to be on campus next weekend too. Let's so, go. Yeah. Anyone else we want to talk about before we play a little Byers Sinone? Yeah, I want to note on a few others. Uh, Ricky Knight, I'll, I'll go rapid fire here. Ricky Knight. Uh, Dane's boy. Dane loves Ricky Knight. Ricky Knight was on campus on Friday. Um, yeah, Dane, Dane's a huge fan of his game. He said that he told me that FSU is his number one school. He also visited Miami like everyone else uh, this weekend. Um, so they're a player. UCF is hosting him next weekend because he'll be in, in Orlando for uh, another seven on seven tournament. Um, Penn State and Pitt will host him in March as well. Um, Lewayne McCoy is an athlete out of Miami Central, four-star. Uh, he's being recruited as a wide receiver. He told me FSU is the school that talk, speaks with him the most. Ron Dugans is the guy that that his point men on the FSU staff. He plans to visit UF and FSU next weekend. I don't think those plans are completely in stone yet. I think he has to work out like which days will be at which school. Um, but he is definitely high on Florida State and wants to get there as soon as possible for, for a visit. Um, he plans to make a decision this spring. So um, maybe just a few months off from when he's making his commitment. Um, he impressed a good amount today. Um, I like I like watching him for that uh, newly formed seven on seven organization, Raw, uh, in South Florida. Um, he he's definitely a dude. Um, a few other guys, Clemson DB commit to Voy Fegan um, told me that he that FSU is still involved in his recruitment, which is obviously noteworthy for a Clemson commit. Usually, don't see a lot of other teams uh, making moves for those kind of guys. He said he definitely wants to visit FSU, and if he doesn't visit unofficially, he'll, he says he'll use an official visit to see Florida State um, in the future. Um, other than that, Terrence Moore is a three-star receiver, definitely should be a four-star, um, 6'3", 190 at a Tampa Catholic. Says FSU is one of his top schools, and he speaks with receivers coach Ron Dugans daily. He intends to visit Tallahassee sometime this spring. Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State have already offered him. Um, he's definitely a dude. Uh, besides that, there were two 2025 quarterbacks there that FSU, obviously they already had their dude in 2024 with Luke Kromenhawk, but I think, uh, two 2025 names to know Cutter Bowley out of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, he's a six foot five, 203 pound passer, um, the number four rated passer in the 24 seven sports rankings for 2025. He says FSU is one of his top schools. He'll visit uh, on either April 8th or 9th, um, and that'll be like kind of a an individual visit, so he'll get to spend some time around Tony Togars and Mike Norvell. He said he really liked what FSU did with Jordan Travis this season. He brought that up by himself. Um, so that was that was an encouraging interview. And then Austin Simmons is another four-star top 100 type in 2025 out of Pahokee, six foot two and a half, 180 pounds. Um, he's a baseball player as well, so he's not making a ton of visits this spring. But he's a guy that's been high on FSU for for a while now since they offered um, in November of 2021, and he told Dane, like I said, that he doesn't have any plant visits at the moment. Um, that's pretty good recap. I mean, there's another guy, uh, KJ Bolden, is the number one safety, number two player overall in the 24/7 Sports rankings. FSU was his dream school growing up. I don't think that FSU is among his top schools right now, which would be like Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, right? The usuals. But um, he did tell me that he started to text with new DB coach Pat Sertan uh, recently and that he's been in contact with Ron Dugans, Mike Norvell, and Alex Atkins, who the, the latter of the two uh, went to go see him at his school recently. So um, I asked him if he if he uh, if FSU is a place he'd, he'd visit in the near future. He said, 
he responded, yeah, yeah, definitely. So we'll see. Um, I don't think FSU has any, like, uh, is in that lead group as of right now, but maybe they can make a move down the line with Sertan now in contact. Let's take a step back and go big picture here, play Byers Sinone as our vehicle to go through some of the developments from the last two weeks with recruiting. Byers Sinone is sponsored by... The Turner Group. Thank you, Dane. The Turner Group, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in Central Florida or anywhere throughout the state of Florida, reach out to Colin Turner of the Turner Group, 407-403-8546, or you can email Colin at getstartedattheturnergroup.com. Don't sinone on buying a home just because it's a daunting process. No, 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 no. He'll help you out. He'll make it easy for you. He's already had a couple people reaching out and uh, helping people find... uh, apartments and and residencies and whatnot like that so uh colin can help you out doesn't have to be a big life-changing house uh, experience either he can help you uh find a place to live uh even just for a year so yeah colin turner the turner group all right guys let's get into this here by or sinone uh first off i'm gonna throw this to you dane by or sinone zach is sick again <laughs> i think he's been getting better actually but no he's yeah he might be a little sick i've kind of just learned to ignore it Probably isn't a good idea, but we'll see. Chronically, Fire Sinone Dane, your girlfriend has mono. No, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no blood test came back. She does not. Okay, kissing disease. I gave my now wife mono like our first month of dating. What a sweetheart. Awesome flex. She was like, tried to like walk across campus and like couldn't figure out what was happening, why she had to like sit down and take like a 20 minute break and why she was sleeping all the time <laughs> because she started dating a, a dirty. Dirty man. By Orson own FSU's 2024 recruiting board is starting to take shape for our purposes, for us as we yeah. cover the team. They've obviously already had the board. Yes. Um, I think uh, we're getting a good idea of a so buy. Say buy. Yeah. There you go. Um, I think we're getting a good idea of where, where things stand at most positions. There's some, there's still some positions I have some questions about, right? Mm-hmm. How'd your Why voice get high? linebacker is one um i think uh i think that's a position i'd like to see some more names on the board right um, i think we're being a little too uh specific uh you know when it comes to recruiting that position i think we need to see some more names fill out that board but i mean what, it, what is this the null cast look at the receiver board man shout out bud shout out ingram that thing is loaded um from top to bottom there's a bunch of names to know um, I think Ron Dugans and the and the rest of the staff have done an excellent job of building out that board. Defensive back is another board that that seems pretty deep as of right now. Obviously, things will start to thin out a little bit once guys start making commitments, and hopefully, some of those will go Florida State's way. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think that, that those two positions are really expansive. Quarterback, obviously, not a ton of worry there. Running back actually looks really good this cycle. Um, they have a bunch of names that they're you know either evaluating or targeting um i think the top two obviously they have one committed in, in five-star cam davis got to keep him committed that's a huge priority for them and then the other i want to note for running back jordan lyle uh, he was actually there at battle miami not competing but just supporting his teammates um on sfe and he looks good he's like six foot uh he's six foot probably what 180 pounds you think oh he's at least 190 Okay. He's listed 190, but I think he might even be bigger than that. Yeah. So he's, he's around probably 200 pounds now. And he's, I think FSU's top priority of uncommitted uh, of an uncommitted running back right now. So 
uh, definitely a guy to note. But yeah, overall buy. I think uh, I think we're getting a good idea of where FSU is laying their priority in the in the 2024 cycle. By Orsonon, fans should be concerned that we've gone through two junior days, no commitments so far. So no, no, I, I didn't even thought about that honestly. I had I had Ivy text me yesterday jokingly saying that South Carolina is getting more commitments than FSU. It's I mean, okay. You want the you want the farm system to be strong. I yeah. get it. I mean, they get them. They get all the talented guys. They develop them for us, and then we we go and we take them um, in a few years. So yeah, I don't know. I think. Uh, like commitments, like we've always said, like what do commitments do right now? They build some momentum for you on the trail, right? Um, we've seen that Mike Norvell likes to strategically time when a lot of commitments come through. Um, when we see those is usually, you know, after a big recruiting event. So maybe the spring game um, or a lot of them come during that, that month of the summer after that run of official visits in June. So mm-hmm. in July, we'll see a lot of commitments happen then. I think that's becoming kind of like the new early signing period a little bit. Obviously, you don't lock in with the school, but you see a lot of kids making commitments from July 1st to like July 12th, right? There's a ton of guys that, that are making decisions then. Um, I'm not worried at all. Uh, I think get as many kids you can on campus, um, figure out kind of where you stand for some of your top targets. Because I think a lot of the times, right, like FSU could be, uh, you know, going and getting a lot of the guys they get on campus to commit, but are the are they their top targets at the position? I don't think so. Um, so you gotta you gotta find out who's a realistic, attainable target, and then go and try and push for commitments. So, yeah, I'm not worried. It's January, right? We we don't need to worry about FSU uh, landing or not landing guys in January. It doesn't. It ultimately does not matter at all um, as to you know where they're eventually going to end up. Um, so I think. Uh, they just stay the course, and uh, I think uh, I, we know that they're going to host, I believe, uh, three other junior days or more uh, in March and April. Um, they're going, they're going to host three in January already. They've hosted two, and they're going to host another one this weekend. So there's going to be going to be a ton of prospects on campus. It's that's not even including the guys that are going to just come for singular spring practices in March at FSU. So there's going to be a ton of prospects that roll through Tallahassee over the next couple months there will be commitments. So FSU fans stop worrying about that. And there's still information gathering going on too. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like they do have their board. I wouldn't say solidified. They have it established obviously, but like there are players who are, who are visiting this weekend for junior day who are maybe a little bit bigger than they thought they were going to be, or, or, you know, there's still, and there's still spring eval period to go through too. Like there's, there's still moving periods going on. Um, it, it does, occur to me that FSU is recruiting a different caliber of player now too. Yeah. Uh, you've leveled up in the players you're in contention with. I mean, just look at all the names that you guys mentioned, like all the other schools you mentioned for some of the players FSU's in the mix with for the battle Miami guys. Like, I think that's very telling. Uh, so that also means you're not dictating terms with like maybe some of these guys that had FSU as like legitimately their best offer. Like now you're trying to unseat some teams. And and so it's a little different. And that's something I think that people have to kind of understand is that there's a transition process occurring here where you're not going to be able to dictate terms. You're going to have to chip away at recruitments and win that way, which is fine. That's, that's how you get where you need to be. But it's a process. Yeah. Byers to known FSU is recruiting a higher caliber of player. Bye. Bye.
Go ahead, Dane. Go ahead, Dane. <laughs> well, Go on, Dane. You got it. You mentioned the you got guys. This Dane, you can do yeah. it. You mentioned the guy. <laughs> you mentioned the guys like on campus for junior day being generally bigger than you've noticed, like it being it standing out to you. But even just being out there, like like we're talking about the boards that they've established and whatnot, like that DB board is is looking different than it did last season, um, last off season. Like it, it just does. A lot of the guys you picked up, like a Jabril Rawls or a, or a Kenton Kirkland, those guys weren't. I mean, those are big pick, or good pickups, but they weren't like major recruiting wins that you know you were surprised or you know really you, you know um, fsu was their best offer right yeah. i guess and and those guys could end up being really good players and they both project to be like you can see why they would pick them up they're both high upside kids but a lot of the dudes out there that said fsu's in constant communication and uh are high up in their recruitment and whatnot those guys are like top 150 kids like two guys we didn't mention earlier, like Jordan Johnson, Rubel from IMG Academy. He's like a top 100 guy. And Ricardo Jones from Warner Robins um, in Georgia. He's a top 100 kid too. Uh, they're probably both safeties, but they're both highly ranked guys who FSU talks to really often. And they both have FSU high up in their list. Um, and I, I think across the board, though, FSU's trying to recruit a higher caliber of player. Uh I'm blanking on the name. Who's the Ole Miss safety that entered the transfer portal a couple weeks ago? Johnson, I think. Johnson, that's it. I was told that like FSU likes him, liked him, uh, but one reason that they haven't heavily pursued is he's a little shorter. He's like Jamie Robinson size, and obviously Jamie Robinson was great for FSU, but like the threshold of like the the type of player they're looking to to take now, the mold, the prototype is like changed a little bit. Um, so that's just something worth worth noting and worth monitoring like as this 2024 board uh establishes it's just going to look different what's happening <laughs> nothing he he's like playing footsie with me after what's happening <laughs> playing footsie with dane and i'm not there he's like tap me on the shoulder i'm like what and he's it's like an nothing. what's happening dane nothing zach's sniffling every five seconds amusing himself as what's happening he's freaking me out <laughs> right. i thought i had a point going there but i got was awesome it. Thanks, guys. Distracted by his sniffling. I don't know. I think there was something else I wanted to talk about. I can't remember now. This has gone on too long. I think we should end this podcast. What do you guys think? You could hit the road. You can go home to Tallahassee. That sounds good. That's tempting, yeah. What are your thoughts later this week about doing doing a live show on our YouTube page, on the Knowles 24-7 YouTube page, Zach, where we rank transfer porter por- three, two, one, where we <laughs> Rank transfer portal commitments for FSU in order of importance to lose. That was my idea, so I'm gonna buy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, you're stealing my idea, so that's not great. But yeah, I definitely uh, didn't do that for the podcast last year. Um, go on, continue. Well, I came up with it this year. Uh, yeah, so you stole my idea last year. I don't even remember what you did last year. It wasn't yes, you do. You, you talked to um, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm down to do that. I'm ready to to destroy you guys with my rankings. Damn, Dane. Do you want to be part of that? I do. All right. Well, let's mm-hmm. let's get out of here. Let you guys travel back up to Tallahassee. I want to thank everyone for listening. Sorry if we had too much fun and giggled a little bit too much on this podcast. Hopefully you don't give us a three-star review because of it. Uh, for, for Dane Draper, for Zach Blossett, I'm Brendan Sido. This has been On the Bench. For those who have given, given us five-star reviews, thank you. Uh, really nailing the landing. I'm sticking the landing. <laughs>